Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to this episode of the SG Engage podcast. I'm your host, Steve McLaughlin with Blackbaud. Whenever we talk about the importance of the finance department and the fundraising department to work together, it's almost like we're asking cats and dogs living together mass hysteria, but it doesn't really need to be that way. And to shed some light on ways in which these oftentimes different personalities and and different groups can work together, I'm joined by Mary Aquino Cooper. She is a member of our Blackboard University team as an instructional designer and has actually got more than 20 years of experience working with uh, nonprofit organizations in this particular area. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. So you've probably run into this a lot. Maybe we start at the beginning. Why is it so important for both finance and development teams to communicate and collaborate? You know, how do we, why is it important? Why should we care? Well, I mean, I'm a huge fan of interdepartmental communication, regardless of whether you're in a nonprofit or a for-profit, for sure. But the idea of everybody working together as a team in order to support the mission is immense in a nonprofit. Since they're, I mean, they seem like they're two different types of people, two different types of conversations that go on, but both are vital to the success of, you know, telling the financial story, telling the the overall organization story. So I'm super passionate about that. And I think that we sometimes we maybe miss the boat and kind of excuse oh, we just, you know, send our information over to finance. They don't know what we're doing and we don't know what they're doing. And I think that's not a good thing. It's never a good thing. Yeah. Do you think this is partly, it goes deeper. Like, you know, my experience has been, you know, there are oftentimes on the the development or fundraising side of the house, there's a, <laughs> there's sort of an understanding of basic financials and accounting principles that often differ from what would be reality <laughs> in the finance department, like, you know, pledges and things like that. But but does it go deeper than that? Um, Are we talking about just different perspectives or approaches of the qualitative versus the quantitative? I mean, really, what have you seen there that sort of define some of the, the key differences that, that often pop up? I do actually think it's, it is um, where we, we, seem to speak two different languages. So on the finance side, we seem to speak very, I think it's quantitatively. In other words, we're talking about, you know, debits and credits and dollars and cents and, you know, ROI and, and, you know, increase of, you know, decrease of expense or increase of, of revenue. And it's very literally words that are I'm going to tell you, it sounds scary (laughs) Um, to me and probably to anybody that's not entrenched in it. So I think that that's where everything starts is the language that we use. Uh, And and it doesn't necessarily have to be so. I, I do a lot of, well, thinking about it also developing with the mentality of let let's try and find a way to make 
to speak our audience's language. So, you know, when we say we need to, you know, debit the expense, any of those words, yeah. be, be more kind of we just we need to we need to reduce our expenses they're very high so it's easy to do you know like just regular conversational language rather than talking talking financey <laughs> i don't know how else to put that yeah and it probably goes the same way you know on the on the fundraising side right there is you know to be fair there is so much jargon that gets used and oftentimes i caution people about like you know if we're going to have uh some team building or we're going to try and get different groups to work together, you know, no abbreviations, no jargon. Or if someone says something and, and you can read the room or the, or read the room or read the zoom that people aren't all quite getting it. It's often good to intervene and sort of say, Hey, that term you just used, you know, can you, can you define that? Can you explain that is, is a helpful way. But I, I definitely think that the, you know, the, the, the terminology and the jargon. It's almost as if what every organization needs is, you know, a quick course in sort of finance for non-finance yes. people. And, and fundraising for non-fundraising yeah. people. Yeah. Exactly. And you just spoke my love language right there. No jargon, no acronyms. In my head and my heart, whenever I go into explaining things about anything financial, Begin by, if there's an acronym, begin by saying it out loud, the entire phrase, whatever it is, A, oh, oh no, that's album-oriented radio, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, don't, don't go into a conversation throwing a bunch of letters out. You know, tell me what an LRP means. It's a long-range plan. And then I'm going to call it LRP. So, yeah, I mean, that is so essential, I think, essential. Yeah, so so maybe that's uh you know in terms of a a good recommendation is you know whenever these groups are engaging with each other staff meeting whatever it happens to be that you you start to improve relationships just by establishing certain ground rules. Yep. And one of them is, you know, no jargon, no acronyms and we also sort of a you know, I've seen this done before where there's it's very clear that if someone if someone doesn't understand something or whatever uh, or doesn't quite grasp something and wants that reviewed, there's an opportunity. You know, they can raise their hand at any point in time and say, "Can you go back over that?" Right? It's like on the flip side, it's uh, you know trying to explain soft credits to somebody. Right. You know, right? So you're saying, "Can you explain that one more time?" <laughs> And and it's a no fear kind of thing. Like, don't walk into the room. It, it, it you know, I always consider the the beginning the conversation as a brainstorm, and the brainstorm being no fear. Every question is not a dumb question, so don't even have that in your mind. Um, speaking plain language. If I say something that you don't understand, then stop me and say, wait, what does that mean? Or what are you trying to tell me about? Absolutely. Open, honest communication. I know that sounds like we're talking about relationships, but guess what? Relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing, you know, I've always recommended for years is, you know, when organizations, especially as they're trying to increase their use of, of data literacy, those kinds of things that oftentimes their new BFF, their new best friend forever <laughs> could be in the finance department, right? Somebody who understands and deals with that type of data all day long, 
you know, they might be a good friend, relationship, partner, ally to have because they might be able to, you know, use that information in ways to tell a story or to explain just how important some of these things are. Because oftentimes, obviously, the the finance department sees the broader picture, right? They see what's happening on the programmatic side in terms of revenue or cost and 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 all those different angles versus, you know, fundraising may be very focused on what they're doing. So right. I think that's a, an important piece too, is they can be um, a really good partner uh, on things in part because they do often drive decisions around purchasing or budgeting and things like that. And obviously it's, it's always good to have a friend in that department. Exactly. And nobody in the, I, I literally am positive that nobody that is in finance in a nonprofit organization wants to see us go over budget. So becoming, like you said, the BFF with the finance department and being able to have a constant open communication about anything having to do with finance. Hey, we're looking at investing a little bit more in this particular service. What are you seeing for expenses in that? Like, are we spending too much in other areas? Should, you know, like if you start a conversation with a, I want to know a little bit more, it never ever hurts the relationship in any way, shape or form. So yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe we can help listeners grease the skids here a bit on this one, um, you know, from your experience, you know, what are the two or three things that a typical person in a finance department is dealing with, thinking about, focused on, on a day-to-day basis? What are the, you know, the two or three things that they're often spending a lot of time paying attention to that might be helpful for fundraisers to understand kind of their day in the life? So if we're talking like data wise, we're probably thinking about like, what is, what is the current budget, what we currently are expecting to spend or make and, and, you know, either way, it doesn't matter. And then looking to plan for the future, because again, that's another part of, of the relationship. That's another part of, of what you should always be talking the two departments be talking about is planning for next year, even though we know that you can't, well, 2020 taught us that you can't really necessarily plan exactly. If you have in mind what you're looking to do, you're always kind of able to uh, adjust and and then be able to switch gears if you need to. So that most people in finance are using the reports that we typically use, the, the income statement, the balance sheet, some cash flow, um, other types of strictly nonprofit reports like financial position and activities, blah, 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 to gauge how we're doing right now so that we can plan for next quarter, next half, next year, next two years, five years, et cetera. And that, and like, you're always in that stage. Yeah, there are day-to-day journal entries and we're reconciling or we're doing other accounting-y sounding things that are important, not saying they're not important, but if you're looking big picture, that's the idea of being clear on what's happening right now and then planning for what's coming in the future so that we can make adjustments, so that we can be prepared, so that we can grow (laughs) constantly and achieve our mission. 
Yeah, no, I think those are great points. And, you know, the time we're recording this episode is probably around the time of a lot of organizations are in that budgeting planning for next year. And what I've always found is helpful is it's a big waste of effort and energy to go off in a silo and do a bunch of planning and assumptions, whether you're in the fundraising development, programmatic, whatever department, if you don't understand the financial baseline expectations, right? Because uh, right. you can, and also you burn people out because they go do a lot of work. And then it's like, well, if you told me there was no money for this, or if you told me there was only X or Y or Z, I wouldn't have, you know, gone out and do those things. So oftentimes I think in the planning is, you know, engaging with finance first, because there's just certain, you know, there's just certain known knowns in the planning process, right? What's our headcount? What's our overhead? What do we what do we know we have to spend? And what does that look like compared to the incoming revenue based on where we're at right now? And if we wanted to choose to invest in something, you know, where is there opportunity to do that? But starting with finance versus uh, let's go go off in a silo and dream big things, which is, yeah, I'm not trying to. Oh, please that. dream. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Dream big, but like, you know, we need, we need to set it against reality too. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of times what people don't realize about finance is that finance is like really good at, at keeping records indefinitely. Like you're going to find people more interested in maintaining, uh, you know, data that goes back five, seven, 10 years so that they can, they can build models and see, based on what's happened in the past, you know, 12 months, then 18 months and 24 months, et cetera, what we can maybe plan for in the future. So as you're looking at, we want to do the next great thing, whatever that is for your organization, stop for a second and and sort of do a, uh, a pulse check with finance and say, hey, we're thinking of this. What have you seen and where can we maybe like pull a little from these expenses and push toward that towards revenue, you know, like so that we can make some more money to do this next great thing. Um, finance is really, really good at having lots and lots of financial data. Yeah, no, it's a great point. You know, oftentimes organ in organizations, all organizations, we, we sometimes run into the hippo problem, right? The highest paid person's opinion where it's like, hey, you know, we need to grow mid-level giving by 15% next year. And, you know, having a baseline and, 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 a, and a partner in finance to say, well, you know what, our, our friends in finance have this uh, amazing thing called longitudinal data, meaning they have data that goes back a long time. And they can look at and say, in our best performing year, we grew mid-level by 8%. So yeah, we want to set a stretch goal for 15, but let's be clear about what the historical trend has been so that we're not, um, you know, it's good to have stretch goals, but it, it's not as helpful to have impossible. You know, impossible goals or goals that are just like you could have, you know, did you spin a wheel to get that number? Because it's not really tied to any reality. Yeah. The wheel of fortune, so to speak, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so how does technology play a role here in terms of how these groups collaborate, work together? Are there things that 
you know, because we're not passing an abacus back and forth, but we've got some, <laughs> some modern technology, things we could we can do that helps improve these relationships and and how these groups work together. Yeah, I mean, I I think that if if an organization has software that can integrate, I think that that becomes a really powerful tool, but that doesn't mean you have to have software that integrates because, you know, nowadays you can dump everything into a spreadsheet and build, you know, quantitative, qualitative, beautiful reports with pivots, et cetera, et cetera. And as long as we're comparing apples to apples, so in other words, we're talking about the last six months in development and you're asking finance for information about the last six months, because a lot of times we get off that too. We're like, oh, well, I, I've got this data right here. What's it for? Well, uh, I don't know. So finance needs, a, you know, a little parameters too. But, you know, as long as you've got something that you can use to build an effective report, I think it's important. I mean, and I, I don't know if this is valid to say, because my experience is with Razor's Edge and Financial Edge, of course. Sure. So the fact that they integrate, I always tell people that that saves finance and development so much time because you're not necessarily, you know, like entering something over in development and then coming over and entering the very same thing in finance. You can press a couple buttons and do a few checks and voila, the information that you added on one side, whatever your fundraising, you know, system is, goes into the other side, whatever your financial data is. And it's, it's fairly accurate, you know, and you can see reality. So as much as you are integrating your departments by communicating, like physically communicating, like you and I are talking, same yeah. kind of thing with your, with your software, you know, find something that that allows you to make that really good connection so that you can be very confident in the data that you are actually gathering, producing, and using for to tell your fiscal story, to tell your organizational story. And are there examples or things you've run into where, in the case of maybe mid-level or major gift work, where it's helpful for fundraising or the development office to have some financial information that helps them communicate to prospective donors or people like that of, you know, here are where some of our needs are, or here is where, here, or in some ways, maybe building confidence of we're a stable, successful organization, we're doing well. Um, you know, are there, is that another opportunity to partner with finance in terms of telling the story of the organization in financial terms to, um, you know, existing or or um, donors who are in a sort of part of the development cycle? I, I truly think, and this is just probably showing how old I am and how long I've been around this. I think like maybe 20 years ago, no, I, my answer would be categorically, no, you don't have to worry about that. But honestly, nowadays we are, as a, as a society, are very cognizant of what our nonprofits are spending their money on. So if you can't show stewardship of the money that you've been given, you know, you basically are not, you looked at a lot of times as, as not being truthful, which may not be actually 
accurate, but still being able to say you gave me, I'm going to be very, very generic here. You gave me $25 and I spent $24 and 95 cents of that on the program that you requested. And I had five cents of overhead. You know what I mean? Like people want to know that. And again, the partnership between development and finance is one where we can kind of get together and say, hey, this is how we show our donors, our grantors, our whoever's giving us money, that we are doing the good work, that we're actually spending money to further the mission that they have entrusted their hard-earned cash to us for. Absolutely. I think that there's never a time where we don't want to be thinking, how can we how can we show what we've spent our donations or our grants on? I think grant grantors are more likely to say, hey, give, give us an, a report as opposed to we don't the standard person that donates twenty five dollars doesn't think, oh, let's go look at the financial report. But they can. I think that's a great parallel, though, is especially if we, we talk about mid-level giving or major gifts, there is that almost grant making mindset with maybe not without all, you know, all the reporting and all that, you know, related stuff, but certainly, you know, someone who's making a significant gift or a gift that they are passionate about making an impact, they're absolutely going to want to, you know, know about the impact that that's making or, or how the organization is performing. Because in many ways, they're making an investment in the organization for, for, you know, in, in which case the return on the investment is the change in the world that they're trying to make. And so I think that again is another opportunity to partner with finance to talk about, you know, a gift of this would enable us to, to continue to do something or to start to do something or to drive this type of impact. And like you said, we're back to our friend longitudinal data and let us show you how gifts like this in the past have helped us, you know, do some transformation. Any parting thoughts, any, you know, people might be listening and saying, okay, I get it. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm behind this. How do I get started? What would you say is maybe a, a first step in either direction? Someone from the, the finance organization or the development fundraising organization, doesn't matter, but maybe, you know, give a suggestion on a first step for someone to take. I would think that the first thing that you want to do is open the line of communication. So I would, you know, again, 20 years ago, say pick up the phone, but really it might just be, you know, stand up and look over the cubicle wall if you're back in an office setting or, you know, like reach out and say, hey, I need more information about blah before I make a decision to do X. And whatever direction you're coming from, if you're coming from development, you know, like that might be like, I need more information about about what we made in donations to this program last year so that I can determine what to do with this program over here. Or from finance, it's like, I'm looking to understand why we saw a dip in planned giving in, in 2020. Can you help me understand that? And bring to the table, start a conversation and bring to the table an open mind. Um, we said this before, no jargon. And the ability to ask questions and get frank answers. That's the way you start. And from I think literally from there, you can build everything on top of that. Budgeting meetings, you know, like how do we improve X or Y 
program? Um, how can we integrate our software? All of that can kind of stack on top of, if I start the conversation, we will be able to work towards whatever goal we are setting. Mary, I think that's great advice. Uh, really appreciate you joining us on the show today. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of the SG Engage podcast. This episode is brought to you by the letter H. Thanks for listening.